just think of your most highly respected person, somebody that you look high to, you know, maybe somebody in your field. It can be in finance, in business, in education, in medicine, or somebody from Hollywood or music, I don't know, somebody that you admire. How much would you pay for a luncheon with that person? If there were to be an auction, you know, and say, you know, how much would you pay? You know, about two weeks ago, there was an auction. It was for charity, but there was an auction for a luncheon with Warren Buffett. Maybe you, you read that. And a business guy from Singapore won the auction, and he's going to pay over $2 million just for a luncheon with uh, Warren Buffett, you know, the fourth maybe richest man on earth. And this guy from Singapore, he hopes that somehow it will pay off, that it, it will be worthwhile spending a couple of hours with this wise financial investor. Maybe he will think that he will be able to double his uh, well, because he will find out. I'm not sure, but if I were to be invited at that dinner, he can take up to seven guests. I wouldn't even know what to ask. You know, what do you ask? You know, about stocks or options? Or what do you say? Well, where, you know, can you give me a short market, market analysis? Or what do you say? I mean, in two years, where do you think the market is going to be so that I can, I can stand and wait for the market to get there? Or what, what do you ask? I wouldn't even know. But I would like to meet maybe somebody else. But... Just think about it. When you, when you put a lot of effort and thinking into meeting somebody like that, you want a reward, especially if you pay a lot of money. You think that something will come out of it. You don't need to pay much, I will just say to you right now, financially speaking, to talk to the Lord of the universe, to the one that created everything, that, that holds even Warren Buffett's heart. That holds the markets in which his funds are invested. And he welcomes us to talk 24-7, anywhere, anytime. And that's what our serious sermon this summer is about. Prayer. Going to have not only a luncheon, but every day to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with the master of the universe. With the one who made us. With the, with the one who decided at this point in time to plop us in history and to decide for 40, for 80 years, you're going to exist in my world and enjoy it and get to know me and fellowship with me. So that's what the text says. But before we even get into the text, I just want to say, just think about this. Prayer is an invitation to talk and to have a lunch or a dinner with the most powerful person ever was with the creator and sustainer of all things, available anytime to you, anywhere. Now, go back to the text, right? Jesus is not, if you look at the text, Jesus is not shy or is not, I mean, but basically what he's doing is he's giving us a sandwich. He says, let me talk to you about how not to pray. So he gives us two wrong ways of prayer. And right in the middle, you see the first he says, uh, when you pray, so it's like, yeah, of course, you will pray. But when you pray, make sure you do not, you are not, do not do be like the hypocrites. And then lower, uh, do not keep on babbling like pagans. And right in the middle of these two negatives is the positive. That's the only positive there. And it says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who, is, who sees what is done in secret, 
will reward you. So how not to pray, right? Just make sure you don't pray like the hypocrites. By the way, these are religious hypocrites, but the word hypocrite, it comes from the same root in Greek, you know. The root of somebody playing a show, you know. There were these shows, early shows, theater, drama, you know, and play. And somebody will come to the stage and pretend that they are somebody else, right? They will play like maybe a thief when they were a doctor. Or, they, you know, they will play different roles and even a clown to make kids laugh or something. But the, the word hypocrite comes from the arts, sitting on a stage and playing somebody else's role, you know. And Jesus says, in religion, you should not be a hypocrite. Religious hypocrite. These are good people because they might even have a public prayer life. Usually everybody prays about three times a day. Maybe during those three times a day, they just go out on the streets and pray. Maybe it's a public you know, a fundraiser or it could be a political rally. And they go and they play. Or maybe it's a send-off for some Navy ships or something like that. It's a public prayer and they go, they participate. And there are people that like to be seen praying. They like to be seen uh, by others and praise, you know. Because it fits into the culture. It's so easy, even a politician, to just throw at the end of a speech, you know. And may God bless America and God bless you, you know. Or when you, you hear people like that. But they, it doesn't mean that they pray any, any place else or anywhere else or any other time. But they just use that. It just fits into the culture. Some of us go to church sometimes. Just because the culture is like that. I grew up in this family and I go to church and I pray because my mom asked me to pray you know, at, at certain times at the table or say grace. But there's nothing else behind that. It's just an outward prayer. And usually in public. It's like an SOS prayer. Just when do you pray? Well, when I'm in need. You know, I'm in this deep trouble. So now I go to God. But other than that, you know, yesterday I was talking with somebody and I said, you know, so do you... Uh, what, what is, uh, we were talking about the churches, and he said, well, I don't go really to church sometimes, but I listen to the TV, you know, from time to time, and especially when I need a lift up, you know. So it can have a prayer like that, you know, when, when, you, when you are in deep trouble, then you say, well, God, can you help me, SOS, you know, I'm in deep problem, and I need you to help me. These are religious hypocrites, maybe you, you heard it, but I'd like you to just take a look at it. From the message version of the Bible, it says like this. Uh, the message says the same verse, verse 6. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do, not, do you think God sits in a box seat? I like how Eugene Peterson, the translator of this version, it kind of puts it. You know, it kind of just gives us a different light. Hypocrites. People that pretend to be something they are not. We call them empty suits, you know. But then the second class is pagans. They are not irreligious pagans. They are religious pagans because they are praying. They are praying. They are babbling. Using is the only word that is used here. But the idea is they use the same words all over and over again hoping that God will somehow hear them. And I like how, again, the, the, uh, the, the message version puts it. He says, The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They are full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. 
I will just give you, so these are pagans, other religions that pray and pray and pray. You know, I will just give you some, not to, just, just to think about how other people look at prayers. You know, in Buddhism, for example, they have this, I'm not sure if you heard of, it's a prayer wheel. You see that cylinder? It's called a prayer wheel. And inside that cylinder, there are prayers written. And they think like this. You see, it's, it's a long, this is from a Buddhist temple, and it's a long wall. You see, it's a long wall. You can walk maybe like 50 yards, you know, and still go. And there are these cylinders there. And you have this uh, wood handle. And you go, and what you do is instead of saying prayers with your mouth, you can shoot up to heaven prayers by spinning that prayer wheel. And you hold that ha uh, wood handle and spin. And then you go and spin the next one. And you go and spin the next one. And the faster it goes, and the prayers go up high in the sky because they are spinned. You know, that's what they believe. And in the temple, in a Buddhist temple, some of the Buddhist priests and monks, they all day, they spin these huge prayer wheels because they are full with prayers. And they spin prayers and shoot up prayers up to, up to heaven. And they even have a handheld one, you know, with, with a nice rope. And, and then you pull it, and that spins. And the faster it spins, the higher it goes in the sky. Do you want your prayer to go higher than the ceiling? That spin it faster, right? And the more prayers go, based on also the RPM, the rotations per minute, per second, whatever. Some Buddhists even created a design by the computer, you know. So your hard drive spins some of the old hard drives, 54 rotations per second. And that's what they do, or per minute, you know. 5,400, right? And they, they say, well, we send so many prayers up to heaven. In, in a Shinto temple... And this is what uh, Philip Yancey, he wrote a nice book on prayer, by the way. It's called Why Pray or something like that. What about prayer? And Philip Yancey tells this story. He said, I went to the temple and to study prayer before I wrote that book. And he says, you can, they can even take American credit cards, you know, American Express credit cards. And you pay 50 bucks to have a prayer that uh, a monk or a priest takes it from you and they pray for it. And then when you leave the temple, they have these prayer trees. And you can put your prayer also on a paper and then you tie that paper on a prayer tree, on a branch. So then you have all of these huge prayer trees with prayers that are tied. Because you say, maybe that way I'm going to get my prayer answered. And then if you think of Tao. The, this is a Taoist burning of the ghost money. They do believe that there are some ghosts. That's why, for example, on the road, truck drivers especially, they do this. They say before they go into a trip, they want protection for their trucks on the roads. So they have this paper money. It's almost like monopoly money. And they burn them so that they appease and send away the ghost so that they will have a clear way, a clear path. For example, maybe Eric and Jamie, they went with the young people yesterday on the road to Cedar Point. You know, that's a four-hour drive or more. So then they will just burn some of this paper money so to say, well, we, we don't want any accident, any trouble. You know, we want to come, come back safely. You know, did you do that? No. Yeah. So <laughs> just checking. But, you know, so that's what Jesus says, you know, uh, don't be like the pagans because they just say the same things and they think that they resolve things in heaven by doing these things here on earth. And uh, so then what is Jesus saying if, if we are not supposed to follow them? What are we supposed? If we are not supposed to be hypocrites, what then? How? Where do we pray? And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't show us now other things, but he says, but when you pray, and again, the message translator said, here is what I want you to do. When you pray, find a quiet secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. When you play, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. When you pray, 
here is what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't, you won't be tempted to role play before God. The hypocrite's problem is that there is no quiet room prayer. If you want to find out what's someone's life about or your life, if you want to say, I, am I a hip, you know, is it possible that I am too a hypocrite? Just look at your prayer life. We are tempted to go immediately right, to say, well, you know, you said that uh, you should uh, respect the other gender, but look what you do, you know, you disrespect this lazy or something, you know. Therefore, you are a Christian, but you are a Christian hypocrite. No, Jesus says no. If you want to know if you are a hypocrite, the litmus test is, do you have a secret prayer life? The Jews, you know, they had this, uh, this upper room, the inner room, and it was kind of the only room that could be locked and isolated from the rest of the house. And Jesus basically says, go into that room. If you have a room like that, go into that room and make sure that you and God are there alone. Yeah, you can pray it in Jerusalem in the temple. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray at the temple, but make sure that besides any other prayers you have, you have this inner time with me. And the message again, it says, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. Just sit there in your inner room, in your inner fellowship. Is that a sweet intimacy with God? The focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense His grace. You will begin to sense His grace in that intimacy with God. It's interesting that Jesus says, you know, where to pray. Just find a place where you and God can connect. It's okay to pray outside, but if you pray outside, you connect with the people. And they praise you because you are a prayer warrior. But if you pray inside, you connect with me. And the praise is mine because people pray to me. The glory is mine, not yours. If you are like the hypocrites, they already have their reward. Because people see them at the corner of the streets and in the marketplace. Where to play? In intimacy with God. And that can be someplace in your home. It can be in your car. It can be anywhere where you can be intimate. You and God. And grow that relationship with Him in prayer. And then how to pray. You might say, how to pray? How do you pray? You know, what do I do when I pray? Well, just a few things. You know, you don't need to follow this exactly, but I'm just saying, just a few things. Ask God to speak to you, you know, when you pray. Say, Lord, I'm not here just to babble. I mean, just to say my own requests again and again. I'm here to hear you speak to me too. It's like going to a doctor and say, well, I have my, 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 my knee, is, my ACL is kind of, I think, torn. And uh, my hand is bleeding. And I have high blood pressure. So see you, doctor. And you close the door and leave, you know. He wants to say, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Do you want to hear what I have to say? The same thing in, 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 in this case. Ask God to speak to you. You go there to hear His voice. And maybe you can read the Bible at least five minutes. I will say just give the Bible some, some time. You can start with the Psalms, with the Gospel. And then you can say, well, I'm going to reflect now. And this is what I think is one of the most important things. And by the way, there's this organization, the Willow Creek, with, with Bill Hybels. And they did a study... And they said this question to people. What is the most effective way? What is the number one way 
that grows you spiritually? What practice? Is it prayer? Is it evangelism? Bringing others to faith? Is it reading the Bible? What is it? And everybody, I mean, kind of the majority of the answer was when we reflect on the Scripture. Reflection on the Scripture is what grows us spiritually. Like nothing else. That's number one. So that can happen in that intimacy with God. And then as you reflect, you may ask these two questions. What is God saying about Himself? Or the world in which we live? And what is He telling me to do? What is in this text God saying about my reality or Himself? And what is He saying to me? What is He calling me to do? And then you can pray your list of other things, you know. And I used here, an, uh, it's called an acrostic, I think. Take the words, and each word is something. So I take the word pray, okay? And then you can pray. So you, you, by this time, you have about 20 minutes just spending time with God, listening to Him, listening to His Word, engaging with, with, with His Word, and also reflecting on His Word. And now you start to say pray. And this is an easy way to do There are so many others, you know, but I just want to, you to focus on this one. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. First, praise. You know, you can just praise God. Say, you know, this is the all what we can do. I mean, we, we don't know how much big the universe is, but this is kind of what people came up with. And our planet is someplace there in a cluster of other galaxies, you know. And the whole thing, as we can say, is about 92 billion light years. And here we live 40 to maybe 80 years, 90 years, the strongest of us, right? So just praise the Lord and say, praise, I praise you for creating this thing. And I praise you for putting me on this planet. I praise that you create God. And you praise Him for everything, for birds. You praise Him for flowers. You praise Him for nature. You praise Him for the city. And you just say, thank you, Lord, for placing me in the beautiful city, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I could have been in Romania now in a prison. Or I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, there are so many things to praise God for. For the, the health care that we have in this city. For the universities and the campuses that are here. For the businesses that are here. For the ways to, to relax that are here, for schools to study, for everything that is here, for homes to live in and for communities. And then you can thank God for and praise Him and say, God, I praise you for my family, for the friends that I have, for everybody who is in my family. I praise you for the farmers who make food, who grow food, who raise the chickens I like to eat, or the beef that I like to have, the steaks on a grill. And then you also say, thanks for feeding me. And then you say, thanks for giving me your word. I praise you because there is something that feeds my spirit too. That you have not left us alone, but you gave us your word, your truth. And then your word is like a mirror. So when you look in God's word, when you start to read that word, then it starts to tell you where do you have to change. So then it's repent. You know what God said? God says, God commands all people everywhere to repent. So if he's available anytime, anywhere, he's also commanding all people anywhere to do what? To repent. When you come to God, you also have to repent. And you confess and you say, Lord, you know, last night I just, I just crossed the line. I think I sinned against you and against my spouse. I was so angry. And I failed to my kids. I failed to be an example to my kids. Can you forgive me? Give me a new start today. Help me when I wake up tomorrow to be a new day, a new dad. I promise I will write them notes of love. I will ask forgiveness. But you too, Lord, please forgive me. Give me the grace to go back to them and love them and show them that I love them. You know that guy at work that annoys me? And it's so hard for me to even stay in the same room with him. Lord, I repent of my, my sin. Can you give me love? Right now it's almost, I am bordering hate. 
and I have bad, evil thoughts in my mind about that person. But can you give me, Lord, good thoughts? I repent of my thinking. If we confess our sins, God says, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive our sins. So you praise God, and then you, and then you repent. And then you ask. You ask Him for anything. You do not have, God says, because you do not ask. There are some things. Do you believe that even right now, there are some things that God is willing to usher, to kind of pour them over us in our lives. But we don't have them because we do not ask. That's what he says. Ask and you will, it will be given to you. Ask. But you have to ask. In the morning you say, Lord, I am praising you. And now I am also asking for blessings. I am going to meet these five people today that I know. I pray that you will bless them. I know my kids are in school. Or my grandparents are in retirement homes. I ask that you will bless them there. I ask that you will reach out to them. I ask that you will heal my mom. That you will take care of my elderly brother. One thing, you know, one thing I ask of the Lord, David said. This only do I seek. He wasn't seeking might and strength. He said, if there is anything in, the, in this universe that I want, David says, this is what I want. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. David said, you can give me whatever you want. I don't need Bathsheba. I don't need kids. I don't need kingdoms. I don't need powers. I I need one thing. I want to be intimate in the Lord. I want to be with my Lord forever. All the days of my life to gaze upon His beauty. And to seek Him in His temple. That's my only thing. What if you want the only thing? Jesus says, in heaven, He is always... He lives to intercede for us. When he went up to heaven, he changed his life and his ministry for us, for you and for me. So he's staying there with all of these blessings. And he says, I want Lord Father to save that person too. I have so many blessings for them. Would you please ask? I'm here ready to pour them out into your life. But ask. Ask, because I am interceding for you. Can you imagine Jesus changed his destiny, sort of? Because he says, I am going back to heaven, and until the last day of judgment, I come back on earth. I'm going to intercede for my people. And that's my mission now. I stay day and night and pray for them, for their safety, for their salvation, for their growth, for their sanctification. I want them to be safe, sound. I want them to know me, to praise me, to live in a world in which they know me and they walk daily with me through the power of my spirit, which I am giving to them. And then yield, you know. There is nothing that you can do, especially when you go to such a powerful person like God, but yield and submit. Don't you know the Bible says that you are slaves of the one who you obey? If you go to God in prayer, but then you go and you hate your brother, I will say you didn't pray enough. Sometimes my wife asks me, you know, when I'm kind of short-fused or something, if you can believe that. She says, did you pray today? And then if I have something in my hand, I want to say, wow, I blew it again. I don't want to say, no, I I mean, I I prayed, but, you know, I just prayed with my lips. So I feel, no, I didn't pray enough. If I prayed, it it didn't matter, you know, because it wasn't that intimacy with God. Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus says, must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. I remember I was talking to somebody and she said, well, I just, I just cannot forgive this person. 
And we were talking and said, well, uh, let, let's pray for it. You know, so she went and prayed. And a few days later, she said, you know, I still, I prayed about it. I cannot forgive that person. You need to pray until it happens. Until it happens. Until it happens. There is, there is a powerful there's a powerful reward that God gives to those who are intimate with Him, you know. And if you look back at the text, if you look back at the text, you say, well, prayer is just something that is in your mind or in, on your lips or just theoretical. But no, if you look well, the text of prayer is surrounded. It says, first, love your enemies, then serve the needy. And then it says prayer, you know, in, our, in Matthew chapter 6. This is, uh, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And then it says, then you do fasting. So prayer is, if you want a person that is loving the enemies, that is generous, it's a prayer person. Somebody who will pray will also be generous and will love others. And if you think of rewards, you know, you think, well, why, why pray? You know, there's, there's no answer prayer. Well, sometimes we pray for some things. And I like how somebody said, you know, you don't need, for example, if you pray for an illness, in the end, if you are sincere... And if you see God in His intimacy, it may not be that you found a cure, that God is curing that illness. It's yours or somebody else. But God, He will always heal your soul. He will always heal your soul. If you think of Job, he was healed inside before he was blessed outside. He lost everything. And in that fight with God, he was healed inside before God did anything to him outside. So there, there are these rewards, you know, if you look at the rewards, it's, it's reward, reward, reward. And all of these rewards are basically saying, if you love your enemy, if you love somebody that loves you, there's nothing, you know, to be rewarded for. But if you love your enemy, then your, your Father in heaven will reward you. And if you help the poor and the sick, don't do it for other people to see you because your Father wants to reward you. And if you pray... Don't pray like the hypocrites who have no intimacy with me. They just do it on the streets. But there's no inner room prayer. Because if you have that prayer, then you get a reward. And I like how some cultures have put this. You know, there's, there's bowls of incense in heaven, golden bowls. And they are with the prayers of the saints. You might say, well, I pray and nothing happens. Well, sometimes that prayer is just like a drop, you know. Like in a bowl. Just imagine this is a bowl. And that's your prayer. And then you say, well, I prayed. I prayed two weeks, you know. And then you put a little bit more. But nothing happens. I prayed two months. And but you need to pray more. Maybe sometimes you say, well, I'm going to spend a night. You know, Friday night, I'm not working Saturday. I'm going to spend the whole night in prayer. And maybe that's what it will take. It's not like your prayers need to solve things. But definitely, there's some bowls of incense in heaven made of gold. With the prayer of the saints. So none of those prayers are wasted. But it's definitely worth just keep praying, keep praying, keep seeking God. Because it says you don't have because you don't ask. If my people pray, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. So remember this. Pray. Praise. Repent. Ask and yield. Because God says, if you pray and if you repent, I will respond. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks today for your grace.
for the power that we have in your name, for the way in which you invite us to journey with you in this prayer. And as we are going to look forward to the Lord's Prayer, we ask that you will build us into a praying church. And more than anything, we want that intimacy with you, that intimacy in prayer, in which we know that we speak to you and you speak to us. Speak, Lord Jesus. Speak, Father. And Holy Spirit, communicate with us. Because your servants are listening. Amen. Would you please stand? And if you need prayer, there is a prayer room here. And somebody will pray with you. And if you have a prayer request, you can use the prayer request in front of your seats. But as we go from here, remember that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and His love and the power and fellowship of His Spirit is with you in this coming week until we shall meet with Him again. Amen. You may go in peace.